0: Media narratives about 5G are often couched in the language of race or clouded by concerns of national security. But what exactly is 5G? To understand the terms of the debate, we spoke with Naomi Wilson. Naomi is the Senior Director of Policy for Asia at the Information Technology Industry Council, a global advocacy and policy organization for companies in the innovation and technology space. So, a lot of media coverage seems to refer to 5G as this kind of broad concept, but for clarity, perhaps you can explain some of the different elements, kind of unpack what makes up 5G.
1: Sure. So, simply put, 5G is just the fifth generation of network communications. Uh, It was obviously preceded by 3G and currently 4G, which we are all very familiar with because we have our cell phones attached to us at the hip. Uh, The primary differences between the generations are speed, capability, and reliability. Uh, So 4G brought us streaming content, um, which we all love and are currently addicted to. Uh, And 5G should enable things like autonomous vehicles, virtual reality applications, and the connection of many more devices, such as Internet of Things devices, that will comprise systems such as smart homes. Uh, In terms of the the general components, uh, it really breaks down into devices. Um, and networks. So, the devices of course are your smartphones, um, vehicles, and IOT devices, Um, and the networks are um, what help the data get from point A to point B, um, and what connects the devices to um, different parts of the network. Uh, So, 5G will have much greater capability to route data and connect it to different parts of the network to make it work more efficiently.
0: OK. Um, a term I always hear thrown around with 5G is low latency. Is, mm-hmm. is that referring to basically how quickly information can travel through the network? Or, or yes. what exactly does that mean in layman's terms?
1: That's essentially the speed at which data gets from point A to point B. And it's going to be much faster in the 5G context.
0: OK. Um, so with the, the new 5G network, you had mentioned infrastructure and new equipment how much of it will actually be new equipment and how much of it is more or less just a piggybacking or upgrading of existing 4G networks?
1: Mm-hmm. It'll be a bit of both. Um, there's certainly a fair amount of new infrastructure, um, including new phones that will uh, be released that are 5G capable, but a lot of the infrastructure will also have to piggyback initially on the, fi- the 4G infrastructure um, and build upon that.
0: OK, so the the sort of media coverage of 5G usually seems to happen through the lens of like a race to 5G, especially in the US-China sphere. Sure. So China is aiming for a national 5G rollout, and then President Trump has described it as a competition that the United States must win. Mm-hmm. So why, in practical terms, does it matter who gets there first? Is there a first-mover advantage?
1: There is and there isn't. Uh, I think a number of countries and markets are on the path to 5G and are making good progress in terms of rollout, it doesn't matter um, so much who gets there first uh, as much as what they do with the capability. So uh, that said, the sooner we have the infrastructure laid out, the, the sooner economies will be able to take full advantage of all of the emerging technology and artificial intelligence that will be enabled by 5G. But ultimately, we want everyone to get there eventually and capitalize on this new technology so we can innovate and develop the next big thing.
0: So where do we stand right now? So how far along are we on what actually has been developed? What is sort of still elusive? What's real? What's future stuff?
1: So the the 5G rollout is well underway. Um, It's pretty well established that the US, China, South Korea, and Japan are probably the leaders at the moment in terms of how far along um, they are with building out infrastructure and rolling out uh, 5G to the consumer. However, we're still very much in the process of implementation, uh, irrespective of market, the technical standards that will govern how 5G operates and serves the consumer are still largely being written. Um, And so it's not so much a matter of lack of understanding or research um, that's going to take time to get 5G fully rolled out and to the next level, Um, but the technical standards development processes uh, take time and the technology needs to be um, out before the standards development can actually really take place and be agreed upon. So right now we're laying the foundation and the building blocks um, for future applications. Um, one area that's not um, underdeveloped but we need to keep a close eye on is simply continuing to push resources towards research and development. Um, You know this is an exciting and a highly competitive new field um, and people are going to be looking to to innovate and develop the next big thing Uh, but companies in particular really need to be able to allocate resources to appropriate research and development in order to stay competitive. Uh, And in many cases, we see companies are somewhat um, distracted by looking at an array of policies and trying to figure out how they um, affect the company writ large or the supply chain. And that can divert resources um, from research and development, which will be critical to any company in any economy's economic competitiveness.
0: So the, the, the kind of perspective one seems to hear is you have the national security folks who seem to make the argument that a Chinese well-developed 5G network is a, a threat is a strong word, but that might be the way that some would describe it. And then perhaps the business community would be more focused on the sort of economic benefits that could come from it. What do you think is valid in each approach and how do you think we should balance those in our minds?
1: So I don't think that there can or should be separate approaches. National security and economic security are and should be equally important to governments and the private sector. And it's exceptionally important that the private sector and governments continue to work together to understand what the opportunities and the risks are of any new technology that could potentially have implications for national security. Uh, there, are very, there are a number of well-intended policies that are being explored right now, um, and there are a number of good questions that governments and companies are asking themselves and consumers are asking themselves. And that conversation has to continue so that companies, consumers, and governments can identify the appropriate policy solutions that yield the best outcome and don't just sound good, sound like they're making things safer or making a company more competitive, but actually yield the best outcome that protects consumer data uh, and provides governments with the assurances that they are looking for in terms of security. Okay.
0: I know since since this is such a, a future topic, a lot of this just ends up kind of being crystal ball gazing, but perhaps there's you know something we can learn about looking back. Um, so are there lessons that we can glean from the five odd years ago of 4G rollout that you think are going to be applicable to the rollout of
1: 5G? What sort of lessons can we draw? Sure. So they're very different dynamics. Uh, In the 4G context, going back five or so years ago, the policy environment um, was very different. Um, And we're now looking at a capability that is going to have far-reaching effects into um, everyday life, business practices, healthcare in a way that um, we haven't seen previously. So um, we're really looking more closely at the the policies that are under consideration um, in terms of how we move forward with 5G going forward. Um, From the tech sector perspective um, and from my perspective, we want to see policies that enable innovation um, and address some of the the security issues that we were talking about previously. providing consumers with the best product and enabling next generation technology.
0: Um, So what kind of long-term effects will a broad use of 5G have? Are are there ways that this could maybe alter the relationship between the United States and China? Mm
1: -hmm. So 5G will hopefully enable companies, governments, and innovators to best leverage data in new ways, um, such as you know, some of the, the outcomes we talked about with driverless cars, um, smart homes, and advancing healthcare and um, services. These benefits shouldn't be restricted to any one country. So it's really not a binary choice uh, in terms of U.S. or China, or it, it shouldn't be. Um, The relationship between the U.S. and China has long been and needs to continue to be competitive and cooperative. Uh, Both sides have uh, a lot of resources and smart people at their disposal uh, who want to innovate Uh, and innovation doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's bred by competition and the drive to create the next big thing. Uh, So We really hope that the policy choices that governments um, are considering now will work to foster that sort of innovation and um, not impede it uh, while being respectful, of course, of security considerations. Uh, And we, in the private sector, are very willing to work with the government um, to pursue the right policy options.
0: If, if you were in a room where the decisions happened, what would your ultimate recommendations be?
1: I would say don't get out ahead of your skis. <laughs> so as we, we were discussing previously, there are a lot of very valid concerns that governments and companies are raising with respect to privacy, access to data, what happens to that data. And uh, governments and companies need to address these questions, and there's no way around it. But what worries us is when we see policies such as data localization um, being yeah, rolled definitely
0: out. that's a really big one for, for companies operating in China.
1: Yes, and it's not just in China. A lot of governments are looking at and actively seeking to implement data localization policies, uh, assuming that they will solve these problems of data security or law enforcement access to data. And they won't. And with respect to 5G, it's not possible to localize data and expect to have 5G function across markets uh, in a way that I think all nations want um, in order for societies and economies to benefit. So my message to policymakers would be identify what your concerns are but then go to the companies, go to the engineers, sit down and talk with them and talk through what they see as the risks, what you see as the risks and identify ways that uh, those risks can be mitigated or eliminated and what the pros and cons are because there's not going to be a silver bullet or a one size fits all solution um, to these problems but we have to take these questions seriously and debate them seriously Um, but that also takes time and it takes a deliberative approach.
0: The China Business Review podcast is a production of the U.S. China Business Council, and you can learn more about our work on our website, uschina.org. This podcast is also a companion to our digital magazine of the same name, and you can read articles from thought leaders in the U.S. China space at chinabusinessreview.com. Our music is by Ryan Anderson. If you like the show, please do leave a rating and review. It helps other people who are interested in the most important relationship in the world find the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon.